We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, March 15th, better known as the six-year anniversary of JaVale McGee blocking 12 shots in a game. I am Nick Whalen here as always with DJ Trainer. In just a second, we're going to be joined by a guest. She is Taylor Cunningham, TV host for the Charlotte Hornets and a production assistant for the Carolina Panthers of the NFL. We talk with Taylor about her experience working in the sports media industry, her time spent with the Seattle Seahawks, and of course, what it's been like to be along for the ride with the Hornets this season. It was a fun interview. We really enjoyed chatting with Taylor. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, we are happy to be joined by Taylor Cunningham now. She is the host of the Charlotte Hornets Live at the Hive 30-minute pregame show, and she serves as a sideline reporter for Time Warner Cable Sports Channel's high school and college sports coverage. She has a lot of experience that we're excited to chat with her about. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me on. All right. A lot to cover in the background because you've gotten around quite a bit and we're excited to touch on not only basketball, but a little bit of football topics as well. Of course, you're a native of Raleigh. You went to NC State. So we got to kick things off with how in the world does NC State finish 15 and 17 with Dennis Smith on the team? 
Yeah, Dennis Smith, he's an absolutely wonderful player. And, you know, I don't really have all the answers to that. But um, it really, to me, watching from the outside, looking in and knowing all the success that that program has had in the past with Coach Godfrey as the head coach, I think it was really just a rebuilding year. And, you know, some teams go through that. And um, having a, a young roster is one of the things that you really have to get everyone to kind of gel together. But on top of that, Coach Godfrey added a bunch of different coaches to his staff this year. And um, that's also a point where you have to gel coaches and athletes together. So I think really NC State is not going down the wrong path. Obviously, Dennis Smith is leaving the program, but they have a bunch of other young athletes that will step up in place of him. But it was just the rebuilding year, really, is what I think it was. And I wish them nothing but the best. I enjoyed all my time at NC State working with the athletic department. And I was lucky enough to go to the NCAA tournament with them two years ago, my senior year. And uh, so I think that they'll be back there sooner rather than later. So like you said, you went to NC State. Um, one, is that the school you always wanted to go to? And two, did you always see yourself, you know, kind of getting involved in sports in some capacity, you know, whether it was uh, as a sideline reporter, working within the athletic department, anything like that? Yeah, so I grew up in Raleigh, like you said. So it was kind of odd to be like, Mom, I want to go to school 30 minutes down from where I grew up. And um, But it was always a dream of mine. I grew up watching all the ACC schools and all the sports and just being from the triangle, it really made sense. And really what drew me to NC State was I was a cheerleader. So I ended up joining the cheer program at NC State. And that's really um, cheering on the sidelines, getting to know all of the athletes, as well as um, the people running the athletic department. That's how I got involved with that um, program as well. And um, in high school, it started, I was the morning announcements reporter on our high school um just in the school you know we would do the morning announcements over the tv in all the classrooms and then that's really I, I realized you know I really love being in front of the camera I love performing in front of a lot of people it doesn't you know shock me or anything so that's where I got the start and I would also announce the starting lineups in high school for our high school basketball and football games and then when I got to college, I knew that I wanted to get involved with the athletic department. I knew that was the best way for me to get the experience that I needed nowadays. And um, they were great. Um, I got so much done working with the football program and the basketball program, as well as some other sports here and there. But I just served as the team reporter um, while balancing being a full-time student and on the cheerleading team and would interview athletes and put together packages for the website and our coaches show. So the Mark Godfrey show and the Dave Doran show. And it was just tremendous experience for me. And I, I wouldn't trade a thing about choosing to go to NC state number one and everything that I was able to do while I was there. So funny enough, uh, Nick and I went to Wisconsin, Wisconsin alums. And of course, what we share in common with NC State is Russell Wilson. <laughs> and I know it was, it was my freshman year in college, and it was Nick's sophomore year, I believe, in college, where we got Russell Wilson. But were you ever around when he was there, or were you more so there from the, during the Mike Glennon era, meaning that we totally stole Russell Wilson from you? Yeah, you guys totally stole him. <laughs> that was my senior year. And uh, I was coming in right after that, and I was with Mike Glennon for his years at NC State, but that was a big steal for you guys. And, hey, Russell Wilson, he's great, and I got to work with him at the Seahawks, so we did catch up a little bit down the road. 
But um, Mike Glennon, also a tremendous quarterback. And that's what they say about NC State now is we're the quarterback university, which is pretty cool okay. to look at all these guys having <laughs> having success <laughs> in, the, in the NFL. But, yeah, you guys like to take Russell Wilson off that list that we like to produce. <laughs> so a little hard feelings there. And the one thing that I will never forget, there were a couple of big highlights um, during my time at NC State, and one of them included Glennon, and he threw the winning touchdown pass to Brian Underwood in, in 2012, his last year, and uh, we beat FSU, Florida State, and they were number three in the country at the time. So it was a huge upset for us, and just it was just awesome win. I mean, we were going crazy, and it shows how good of a quarterback he is, and now moving on to the Bears. So, uh, yeah, no Russell Wilson for me, but you guys had him. He did pretty good over there. <laughs> how how do people in North Carolina perceive Russell Wilson now? Like, his reputation has, like, drastically swung up and down, you know, in Wisconsin. I think generally, you know, people still like him, but obviously playing in Seattle, which has kind of developed into the premier rivalry with the Packers over the last few years, mm-hmm. you're starting to see some people kind of turn on him. Obviously, I think the perception of Russell Wilson at Wisconsin compared to the current perception of Russell Wilson, who is dating a rapper's ex-wife, you know, I, I think like he's just like a, he's viewed much differently now than he was a couple of years ago. Like, do people in North Carolina still like Russell Wilson or did the combination of him leaving NC State for Wisconsin, um, you know, and, and kind of turning into more of a, a celebrity type of athlete uh, have an effect on how he's viewed? Oh, I think people in North Carolina absolutely still love Russell Wilson. There's no doubt about that. You still see them rocking the jerseys and very passionate on social media these days following his career. But And I don't think that Russell has changed in any certain way um, just because of the way he's viewed now dating Sierra. But I don't think that is anything um, that has changed him as a person. He's still the humble and hardworking guy that he's always been and will always be in my eyes and I think uh, absolutely North Carolina will support Russell Wilson forever that's fair but you know on Sunday night football when he says his college he does say a whole pack of batters but anyway we'll leave that behind uh he's just cordial (laughs) (laughs) so uh you currently work for the Carolina Panthers as a production assistant and you previously like you said had a similar role with the Seattle Seahawks so what I'm curious is obviously those organizations at least from my perspective are very different where Seattle is very out in the open and Carolina plays it closer to the vest, at least from what I've seen. So what do you think is the most notable difference between working for the Panthers and the Seahawks? You know, I don't really look at it like that. They have a lot of similarities as far as my role goes, working with the personnel and um, the athletes. But they were they're both two very well-run organizations, a lot of class act people in all levels from the owner down to the production assistants like me and uh, any every day that I'm in the NFL and working around these people, it's just a great opportunity for me to grow and continue to learn. Um, being so fresh out of college, I've had two amazing opportunities. I mean, you can't, there's not many people that can say they have gone from one top organization to another top organization with that. Unfortunately, I will say, I work for the organization that is coming off a Super Bowl loss. So that I don't really know if that's my fault or I'm not really sure yet. So <laughs> hoping that it isn't my fault. But um, just a wonderful opportunity for me. And it's just given me a lot of 
opportunity to grow. And I, don't, I really don't think there's been much difference. Really, the biggest difference for me was going from college to NFL. There was a lot of things that were done differently that I needed to learn about. But um, like I said, I've gotten to grow as a person in this industry and someone that wants to succeed in this industry and learn all that it is I need to learn to get there. Is there a relationship between the Panthers and the Hornets? Obviously, they're both in the same city, but you know that allows you to kind of work for one during certain parts of the year and work for others during during other parts. Yeah, absolutely. All the all the teams here in Charlotte are very supportive of one another, and um, my role really with the Panthers is they're just trying to help me as much as I can, as much as they can, to get where I want to be, and then um, hopefully keep getting um, higher up in the organization with them. And then as well with the Hornets, they just, everyone's just willing to work whatever they need to do to make it happen. And hosting live at the Hive now is giving me a good opportunity to get in front of the camera and host um, the NBA pregame show, which is a little bit different for me. I haven't worked in the NBA before. So this has kind of been a learning process for me in that role. And um, so I think that's what it's all about right now in, in my career is just getting all of the opportunities and making them work. And that's partly on me, too, is um, having my schedule. I'm very organized. I'm very routine. And I just have it all written down, penciled in my schedule and make sure that I don't have any conflicts with anything so that it can all work out and I'm able to do all of them at once. So what's the ultimate goal? Like, where do you want to be in 10, 15 years? I would say that's a good question, but... Um, Obviously, dreaming big, my goal would be to be on the sidelines of one of the networks in a few years. Um, I really, I look up to Sam Ponder and her role on College Game Day. I really um, look up to Olivia Harlan. She does a lot of work with ESPN and SEC Network as well as the Atlanta Hawks um, for Fox Sports. So just one of those kind of getting on the sidelines of either football um, or basketball or another sport. I'm not limiting just those two sports. And um, calling or being on the sidelines and getting to interview athletes. My passion really is to um, bring the game to the fans that aren't at the game or to bring the stories out that maybe I can get while I'm talking to the players or coaches before a game or on the phone prior to game week and just give the, the little tidbits and the interesting facts that uh, I think fans should know about these players because they're people just like us. And so that really is my passion and that's where I hope to be in a couple of years. Very cool. Um, so let's talk about some of those interviews that you have had already. Um, one of those, I'm assuming, is T.J. Warren. Uh, he was back uh, at NC State while you were there as well. Um, do you think that he was far and away the most notable athlete while you were at NC State? And, of course, did you get a chance to interview him? Absolutely, yeah. I would definitely say he was the most notable athlete. He was ACC Player of the Year in 2014, and then um, – went on to play in the NBA and has been doing good things there. But I did get a chance to interview him many of times. Obviously, after the games, he was one of the ones we needed to talk to the most. And he was just such a humble guy. He's actually pretty quiet, but he lets his game speak for itself. He doesn't do a lot of talking. He's just kind of one of those that leads by example. And uh, just a great guy all around and have wished him nothing but the best. Um, and it's exciting to see these guys that I have had the opportunity to work with in college and get to know really well then. And now I get to watch them and hopefully cross paths with them again in the near future. So it's really exciting. And yeah, he was definitely the most notable athlete. 
So another Phoenix Suns, uh, Marquise Chris, you also worked as a production assistant for the University of Washington men's basketball team. Uh, I saw some old highlights of you interviewing Marquise Chris, and I got to say, he looked very young and very scrawny during that interview. Did you ever, you know, once you were having that interview, did you ever think uh, that he would actually be starting just a year later after that interview in the NBA? You know, that is so crazy. Uh, I, I first started, I moved out to Seattle and I was like, I want to keep working in basketball. And so I found the University of Washington and my first day on the job, there were just all these talks about this team. They've got some stars like these guys are probably going to be one and done and they're just they're going to be more than you think. And so my first game, I'm watching them. They're very scrappy, but you can you can tell they're young, but you can tell they're very talented. And like you said, they were young looking and scrawny. <laughs> and so after the game, I'm interviewing him and no, that never crossed my mind. I was like, you know, maybe he'll do one more year and develop a little more. But I mean, good for him. I'm so glad that he went out being eighth pick overall. I mean, good. I mean, starting the year later, it's just, it's so crazy. And that's another thing that going back to the TJ Warren, I just, it's so cool to watch these guys and get to interact with these guys and um, learn about them off the court and off the field and then get to see them having so much success. And it's been, um, like I said, crossing paths. And it's kind of ironic that, you know, now TJ and Marquise are teammates. So um, I was, I mean, it's obviously talking point there, but yeah, I would have never, if you would have asked me on day one of working for UW, I would have not thought that. But again, DeJounte Murray coming out that same year, 29th pick overall, like they were just, they were just very talented and it definitely showed on the court. What have you noticed, you know, having worked for multiple college teams, worked for multiple pro teams? Like, what's the difference between interviewing pro athletes and interviewing college athletes? You know, are college athletes a little bit more willing to, to give, you, give you some more info? Yeah, and everyone will tell you that. Um, they're, just, they're just so giddy, and they just love being there every day and um, just have a lot to tell. Once you get older, it's kind of become more of a routine, and the pro athletes, they've they've done it for so long in some cases that it's just kind of a repetitive cycle every day. But I don't think that it's been so much of a difference. I try not to ask the questions that will get on anyone's nerves. I try to really be sincere and genuine when asking questions, but also asking the important ones that fans want to know or game related. Um, But there is a difference between the two. You kind of have to balance that out. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about I've had to learn the difference of between interviewing college and um, pro athletes. But um, really the biggest difference is just the maturity level. And um, that's about it. There you go. So uh, let's start talking about the Charlotte Hornets, of course. And like I said at the top of the pod, you host the Live at the Hive, which is the 30-minute pregame show. Now, obviously, that's regional, so it's kind of hard for a lot of our listeners to tune into that stuff. So I definitely want you to just explain what the show is. Um, I've seen some cool shots of you interviewing Gerald Wallace, Jeff Van Gundy. So it's a pretty cool position, even though it is, I'm assuming, regional. Yeah, well, actually, this is uh, it's streamed live on our website, so oh, cool. on Hornets.com. So you guys can tune in. Uh, we have a game Saturday night. But, yeah, so we'll start at uh, 6 o'clock, and we will stream live onto Hornets.com, as well as now Facebook Live with that um, up and running this year. 
So it's been awesome. This has been one of the best years. Just getting to host a show has been different for me because it's a lot different when you're preparing for each game and um, getting to know the different guests that are coming on. I mean, I'm meeting these people five minutes before I'm talking to them. So really just having the ability to adjust and get to know the, uh, the people that I'm going to be sitting down with and then also the topics that I need to talk about. Uh, there's 40 games in a year at home, so it's been a lot, a lot of preparation. But hosting has been a lot of fun, and like I said, it's been different for me. But really, um, we sit down, we start, like I said, 6 p.m., we'll do 30 minutes pregame. I usually do a couple segments, and then we interject with videos from our website um, throughout the week, as whether it's shoot-around sound or players and coaches talking at shoot-around earlier that day. We have a segment called Pregame with Patrick, which is our associate head coach, Patrick Ewing, sits down with Aaron Gradwell, our social media manager, and then just different various videos that we want to add in to just add content to the show to make it as real as a TV program as we can. Um, but with the ability to stream live on a website now, just, you know, we make it what it is. And we have our, our TV set, everyone that comes by from other organizations, like, wow, you guys have such a nice setup overlooking the court. And uh, it's just been so much fun and so much growth that I've seen from my first game back in October to now. So you talked a little bit about the prep that you have to do for each of these shows. Like, what time are you showing up for the arena? Like, let's say the tip-off is at, you know, 7 o'clock local time. How many hours before are you there kind of making sure everything's going to be ready to go for the show? Well, I'll attend shoot-arounds earlier in the day if necessary, but sometimes there isn't shoot-around if the team's traveling late night and whatnot. Um, My producer, Jace Darling, does all the setup as well as a few other people that help him out. So I'm very appreciative of that. I show up usually around 5 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock. Coach Clifford talks to the media around 5.15 before a 7 p.m. tip. So I'll go down there, listen to what he has to say, and then I'm up at the desk no later than 5.30, and then um, it's showtime at 6 p.m. All right, so obviously you've got this great inside access. You know, you're talking to the players and coaches frequently on a daily basis, so we definitely want to grill you with some Hornets-specific questions. So here we go, Taylor. Uh, Of course, the Hornets have struggled this season, and they're currently the 11th-ranked team in the East with a record of 29-38. and Uh, It's a little disappointing, obviously, because last last season, to to a lot of people's surprise, they finished 48-34 and and got the sixth seed. Um, I know this is your first year kind of in the Hornets community but what do you think and what have people around you been saying is is or is uh has uh been to account for sorry the the year-to-year change from going from a 29 and 38 record to a 48 and 34 record you know I think the biggest thing has been defense and it's been surprising because that's one thing coach Clifford really prides himself on as a coach and wants his team to be successful at as defense but that's been where our team has struggled the most and we started the season so well so everyone was thinking wow like we're just rebounding off of the success we had last season here we go it's going to be a great season but then we hit a rough patch and the slow starts in the beginning of the season we were having major comeback wins changed all of a sudden and then it was like we were starting well taking the lead into the fourth quarter and then our fourth quarter defense couldn't finish the game so that's really been the key I think to struggling so um, much this season has been defense and 
I don't think that it's anything in particular that the coaches and the players aren't doing well. I think it's just been the team trying to have to get together and gel. Um, like I said, with the NC State team, I think both of these programs this year, just things are a little different coming off of last year. So um, getting the team on track has been the biggest problem. But Coach Clifford talks every game. He's like, some we're just not consistent either. Some games we play the best game that we played all season, and then the next game we fall short and can't do the things we did well in the game before. So it's just, I think, you know, no one, like I said, doing anything wrong. Um, just got to find the missing pieces of the puzzle. So the Hornets kind of limped into the All-Star break, you know, rewinding about a month or so. I, th- I think they were 4-16 and 16, uh, kind of going into that All-Star break. But, you know, you were able to get Kemba Walker into the All-Star game, uh, the first Hornets mm-hmm. All-Star in, I think, six or seven seasons back uh, since the Gerald Wallace days. Um, you know, what was that like, you know, as an organization, uh, obviously there's a lot of pride in having an all-star, uh, but I know, you know, you're sending out, you know, not you specifically, but the organization is sending out press kits, you know, obviously there's this whole campaign, uh, to get your guy into the all-star game. Like how cool was it when, you know, the results came out and Kemba Walker actually did make it? Yeah, we were so excited for Kemba Walker. It was very deserved for him to be an all-star this year. And uh, we did have a lot of campaign going on, a lot of hard work put into that because that's how much this organization cares and wants for Kimball Walker, you know, and for all their players. But um, him notably this season, it was just from the very beginning coming off last year when people thought he should have been an all-star, um, it was from day one. They, and I think Kimba kind of came out with the fire in the beginning of the season, like he really wanted it. And um, averaging 24 to 27 points a game throughout the season, that's that's all-star caliber, you know. So he he remained consistent throughout the entire first half of the season. And uh, But one of the campaigns we did was Walker – no, excuse me. What was it, the – Walkus Ranger, something. It was like the Texas Rangers, but um, oh, Walker, we made, uh, Charlotte Walker, Ranger, or something Walker, like that. Charlotte Rangers. Okay. Me. Yes, <laughs> that is what it was. Took me a minute to get that back. So we were really campaigning him hard with that, and it got featured on Sports Center. Frank Kaminsky did a good job um, helping him out, and then Frank getting to the All Star game as well as the Rising Stars Challenge was a huge accomplishment for this organization because, like you said, it had been a few years since they had sent someone. So it really. Um, is hopefully a, just a confidence boost for this team. Not necessarily, um, you know, they need to finish this year strong, but definitely moving into next season. So Kemba's contract runs out in two years, and if we have a couple more seasons like this, you know, where you're you're pushing for the sixth, seventh, and eighth, but never really getting above that benchmark, uh, do you think that the fan base is just loves him enough and, and feels like he's their guy, where the fan base would really push to sign him to another contract, or maybe do you get the sense of if you know if they don't get past the sixth seed in the East over these last couple of years, that maybe they might be ready to move on from Kemba? I think the Charlotte Hornets and Buzz City want Kimba Walker in Charlotte. I mean, he's been here through the struggles of the team winning seven games in a season to now at least winning 29 um, and then more to come this season. But I don't think there's any sense that they want to push him away and bring someone else um, in replace of him. But with that, I think there does need to be someone brought in to help Kimba. He can't do that every night. I mean, he needs some help. He needs someone to come in behind him, someone to bounce off the success he's having and bring more 
to the team than what we have now. So I think that will be one of the main focus in the offseason, doing what we can to restructure the team um, to help out Kimball Walker. Do you think Kemba Walker can be the best player on a top three or four team in the East? Of course. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and dog Kemba Walker. I'm going to fall for him. <laughs> okay, well, that, that kind of leads in. Or go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, that, well, that kind of leads into my next question. We've talked to other team employees on on this podcast, and you know they've kind of alluded to the fact that working for a team – you know, in some capacity is much different than working for a newspaper or a national news source because you're kind of under this obligation, you know, not to always be caping for the team, but, you know, you can't be overcritical of the team you're covering. Is that something that you've ever run into, you know, where maybe you think there's something that you should or could be critical of, but there's a little bit of pressure since you're an employee of the team to, to kind of fall in line? You know, um, that is a good question. I am definitely not critical of who I'm working for, and that's still something um, that I'm learning. But obviously, anyone that I'm working for and anyone that I have ties to is who I'm going to pull for 100%. So no no questions asked. Hornets are my number one team. Kimball Walker is my number one point guard. But, um, you know, it does get a little, when you're working for an outside source, you can be a little more um, critical, like you said. And I don't say that working for a team, you necessarily need to be biased. There's definitely room for you to have your opinion and for you to say things that might not necessarily be the nicest thing to say about the team. That's one thing I really um, like about my producers at Live at the Hive. You know, sometimes we talk about the struggles that the teams have and we don't just make everything positive and um, all this stuff because we're not going to fabricate a story based off um, the way we have to lean one way or another, but we will um, keep things as light as possible. And that's how it is. I mean, every team that you work for is going to have a season where it might not be exactly what you plan, but you can't ever predict anything. So I still look at it as we have almost 20 games left in the season and coach Clifford's saying the quarter of our season left and Hey, we could go on a run right here and went out and, we still might be looking at the playoff picture because the sure. tightness of this, the rankings and the Eastern Conference is so tight that it could happen. And I'm still optimistic about, about it now. So um, it's all hornets for me. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, too. You know, we talk about can Kemba Walker be, you know, a guy who can lead you to contention? Like, it's very easy to forget that there's only one champion every single year and the other fan bases of the other 29 teams are upset that they're not that team every year. Like, you know, there's only so many guys you can really, really say, you know, we'll get you into contention every single season. There's three or four of those guys. So, I mean, Charlotte's one of those markets. And I think us being here in Wisconsin, we kind of have a similar feel with the Bucks, where, you know, you can, you know, you can quote unquote tank, whether you're doing it intentionally or not. Uh, and, and try to get you know one of those top three to five guys who can you know really really change your franchise but there's also some value I think in being a pretty good team year to year like yeah that maybe means you're going to get swept by Cleveland in round one uh, but you know I think there's a lot of teams that you know you, you look at a team like Philly or Orlando or Brooklyn like they would kill to be in the Bucks position or the Hornets position right now like do you get that sense that that the Hornets you know kind of and the Hornets fan base you know recognize the situation and recognize that they're a small market oh yeah absolutely but I mean Buzz City is the best fan base I think and I've been lucky going from the Seahawks fan base and the 12s out there to the NC State fan base and then now the Charlotte um the Panthers and the Hornets 
I think that they're very loyal to their program and very invested in what these teams can do. Um, yeah, they know the Cleveland Cavaliers might we might meet them in the first round of the playoffs, and yeah, they are the defending national or the defending NBA champions. But um, I think the Charlotte fans really they just kind of think keep things open and think the best of every situation and think that there is a chance because they're going to pull through and they're going to be behind their teams and be as loud as they can and hope for the best. And um, I don't think there's any, it's hard for me to speak for a fan because I've been in this industry now for two years. And then in college, I felt like I was uh, working all the games. So I haven't honestly been a fan and been in the seats as a fan. So I know it's definitely a different side of things than what I'm experiencing, but um so I'm not going to speak directly for them, but I will say nothing but great things about the ones that I interact with. And I think both for the Panthers games and the Hornets games, they're always there. They're always loud, showing up, supporting whoever it is on the roster at the time and just hoping for the best. Uh, well, please, please tell us that you've never owned a Seattle 12th fan jersey. I do not have oh, a okay. All right. That's a huge jersey. Okay. Oh, thank God. So, <laughs> do you have cheese um, heads? No, 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 no. This isn't about that. You can throw right back okay, at yeah, us. This wow. isn't about that. This is, this is just about how awful those are in general. Owning Every year the NFL releases those like top 25 selling jerseys and the Seattle 12th fan jersey is always in there. And it's just, we could do a whole separate podcast. The 12s, the 12s are crazy and we could talk a whole day about them. I mean, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't believe on a, just a regular day, I think jerseys were they were allowed to wear jerseys to all of their work at uh, in Seattle. And I see fans walking around on a daily basis with the 12 jerseys on. And it was just those fans out there. And the, the fact that half of the games that they play are in the cold, rainy weather, and they're still out there, I'm like, wow, you guys, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a good culture. It's, it's one of those when you're on the outside, you hate it. But when you're on the inside, you, you absolutely love it. Um, so oh, yeah. like, like I said earlier, Nick and I are Wisconsin alums. So obviously, we're very interested in Frank Kaminsky's career. I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, but right now, he's kind of front court depth behind Marvin Williams and Cody Zeller. Uh, Zeller and Williams are on contract for a couple more years, at least. And so is Kaminsky. Do you think that Kaminsky is kind of locked into that secondary off the bench role or is there any chance for our Wisconsin guy to surpass Marvin Williams and Cody Zeller in the starting lineup and really just for more minutes overall well I'd have to go to coach Clifford on that one but uh, I do know that at the beginning of the season coach was really wanting Frank to come into his own this season and find the consistency that he knew he had and especially um, during his play at Wisconsin I mean he was a phenomenal athlete there and so he's still young in the NBA and still trying to find exactly what he can be for this Hornets roster and I think that's important and I think once he does find that he could most definitely be in the starting lineup and I think that is one of the things that will happen in the near future Um, but really it was finding consistency and after all-star break when he was in that rising star town I mean his performance in that game was unbelievable and so we as Hornets fans were all excited for him to get back and then he carried that play over to the Hornets games and uh, was playing great and then suffered the injury there so kind of pushed him back a little bit but I was really hoping that 
unfortunately, you can't ever predict an injury to happen, but it would have been very interesting to see if he had kept that play going the remainder of the season, what would have happened and if there were any changes made this the end of this season. So um, there's nothing really, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I hope he just gets back from this injury. He started, I mean, he came back Monday night versus the Bulls for us, but um, he was definitely a little timid with his shoulder, and that's something I'm sure is still a little uncomfortable for him. But I think that he just continue. He needs to just continue doing what he does best, and uh, he's going to be a tremendous athlete. I think he has a long, successful career in the NBA. How much have you gotten to know Frank? You know, with him being here in Madison, I think it was it was pretty unbelievable how he went from you know honestly a running joke his freshman and yeah. sophomore year. It was kind of like who is this you know goofy kind of out of shape white guy? He's never going to play. And then you know by the end of his junior season, he's going into his senior year on the cover of magazines. He's the favorite to win National Player of the Year, which he obviously ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that Wisconsin team especially led by him and and Sam Decker really kind of captured the country's imagination as as being you know funny kind of regular guys you know was there an expectation you know when you first met Frank Kaminsky that that he would act a certain way and and if so you know what has been your impression of him this season there wasn't an expectation at all um but it was funny because my first interaction with him was that's a long day for the guys so they come in and he's doing a sit-down interview and his personality just struck me from the beginning and I'm like from watching him on TV like you said and watching him develop in his college career to winning that national championship I'm like okay so I, I really didn't have any expectations but I just wanted to see what he was all about in person and then his personality is he's so funny so quirky kind of fit his demeanor you know so it's just it's funny because he's one of my favorite guys to interview on the team just because he's always gonna on a good day he's always gonna give you something that'll make you laugh but he keeps it real too and um I think that's really what stood out to me and I've, I really like um watching him develop from college to now too um just because I did follow college basketball so closely um when he was playing and when he went to the championship that I was watching um, a lot of his his games there at the end. And um, now just to actually be at the NBA level, he's a little he's a little more serious, but I think, like I said earlier, that's one of the part of the things the NBA is maturity. Um, but he definitely still has the Frank Kaminsky that I think all the Wisconsin fans knew and loved. And for you, that's got to be kind of a dream, right? I mean, I've I've been in some NBA locker rooms, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's like pulling teeth trying to talk to some of these guys, even when they're clearly not busy after a game, and you just want to ask one or two questions. You know, there's certain players that they just want to get out of there, and you know, having someone like Kavinsky, mm-hmm. who more often than not, it seems, is probably more than willing to give you a quote, I mean, that has to be a big luxury for you guys. Yeah, you're always very thankful for those guys. And Marvin Williams is one of the other guys that is always willing to give us a good sound bite. Um, and one thing he says, he's, he's like, you know, I know you guys have a job too. So just guys like him and Frank are really appreciative of the work that we do and covering the team, because if we didn't get the good coverage that we get because of them, then, you know, there wouldn't be a lot on the Hornets.com or on the TV broadcast on Fox Sports Southeast. So, um, yeah, it's definitely it's not easy going in a locker room after a loss, but having guys like that um, definitely helps. But going after a win is always fun because you know you're bound to get something good. 
So last Hornets specific question here. Uh, I feel like I know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Taylor. So um, (laughs) in terms of the Hornets looking forward over the next couple of years on contract, they have got Walker, Batum, MKG, Zeller, Williams, Plumlee, Lamb, and Kaminsky. So basically the whole cast of characters are there for at least two more seasons. And so my question to you as an outsider looking in, does that seem like it's worrisome or encouraging or encouraging, excuse me, given their struggles this season? Um, yeah, there's no doubt that we've had our struggles. I think that goes back to, and I didn't say this earlier, um, we've had two very tough road trips and it's not easy leaving Buzz City and going and getting wins on the road. So I think that's really been the part where our team got down, but I think it's, I think it's encouraging. Um, I'm just, I'm, not going to say this more than enough it's just a rebuilding year I think for us losing the pieces from last season Jeremy Lin Courtney Lee um, those are two key guys that helped our team a lot so not having them this year and having to get the new guys kind of adjusted MKG was out all last year with a shoulder injury so bringing him back into the lineup seeing how he can help the team um it's just, I think it's just a rebuilding year. I think it's encouraging because now they have had this one year to go through it together and hopefully build off of it and clean up things in the offseason, little mistakes that have been made throughout the games that Coach Clifford talks about, and, and then hopefully add new pieces in the offseason to help um, better the success. But, you know, I really trust what our personnel is doing. I, I trust that they know what they're doing way better than I do. So, um <laughs> I think that they're going to find what it is that we need to get this Hornets team back on track. And hey, we still got a little bit of a season left, so I'm optimistic that we can finish strong and then we'll just get stronger next season. The eternal optimist. Okay, let's get to rapid fire round. Got to respect the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. I think you still have some of that cheerleader (laughs) in you. Um, Let's get to the rapid fire round. We'll get you you out of here uh, in a timely manner. But we'll start with a question uh, that we've asked all of our guests this season. Who do you think is the most underrated team in the NBA? And no, you cannot say the Charlotte Hornets. No, I'd say the Houston Rockets. Nice. Okay. I like it. All right, let's flip that question on its head and go with, who do you think is the most overrated team in the NBA? Coming into the season, I would have said the Warriors. And I I still stick with that. But uh, they they shocked the world, and they had some with Kevin Durant um, added to that team. They have been very good, so uh, that was my that's my answer for overrated. I love it. They were that's, so so close to losing it. to losing uh, <laughs> to Philly last night. I, I stayed up hoping that Philly would be able to pull that off, but alas, they yeah, were not. They're hanging in there. They are. Uh, <laughs> so, growing up, who are your favorite teams or players uh, that you rooted for? It could be NBA, college, uh, football. You know, any sports. Um, I, I hate to say this and I hope none of my NC state fans are listening, but my mom was a big Carolina Tar Heel fan. And so I watched a lot of UNC basketball with her growing up. And then obviously, um, watching the stars come out of that program. But I would say my favorite player, um, still now, cause I was young when he first entered the NBA, I was about 10 years old is LeBron. So, um, I like to watch him and see like, Man, him go from Miami to Cleveland, winning all of the championships that he's been able to collect, and um, it's just been impressive. But those two, the UNC Tar Heel program, they're just—I just love ACC basketball, and I always will. But uh, I've always been 
I was not saying I was an UNC fan. That was my mom. And yes, I did convert her when I went to NC <laughs> State. But uh, I did like to watch the success that they had while I was growing up. Yeah, this has been maybe the best year in, in a couple decades for ACC basketball. Um, so being from North Carolina, like obviously you went to NC State, but were you as a kid, like, do you have to choose Duke or UNC by like age 10? You, you just have to state your allegiance? Yes, I think so for sure. Um, there's no in between. But then the the older I got and the more I'm working in sports, I try and you're going to laugh because I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm, I try not to <laughs> pick sides. But I really just love watching all of the games. So if you ask me who I'm a fan of, and this goes even to a graduate of NC State, if UNC or Duke make it to the championship this year, that's who I'm going for. I'm all ACC, and it's hard. It is very hard for people to say that, being from North Carolina. They're usually one way and hard one way, but I'm a little different. She's going to get the ACC chance going no, at, the, at the regional sites. I'm the same way. It's like Minnesota is the only team that I really genuinely root against at all times. Like it's, I'm more of a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you always been a fan of like certain players instead of teams? Like I, yes. I kind of switch year to year. Like I really liked Duke when they had Justice Winslow, <clears throat> excuse me, because he was so much fun mm-hmm. to watch. Obviously that backfired on me because they beat Wisconsin <laughs> in the national championship game. But like this season, I think Duke is the more, or uh, North Carolina, I should say, is the more fun team to watch. So, I mean, whether it's ACC or not, I mean, have you been more of a players over teams? Yes, absolutely. I've always been that way. I definitely pick out players that I like to watch, and I usually follow them throughout their college and NBA if they make it. Uh, Who has been your all-time favorite interview? You have a lot of options to choose from here, it seems like. My favorite is Russell Wilson. Uh, he's just—he was such a good interview every time, and just such a nice guy. And then having the connection with him from NC State, he was just—that was my first day at Seahawks. He came up to me and he was like, "Are you from NC State?" And we just had a—we clicked right there. And then um, being around him and him while he was dating Sierra, I got to talk with her as well. So that would probably be my two my two most favorite interviews. Who's your favorite Hornets player specifically to interview? Maybe we covered this with Kaminsky, but but you know, is there someone else besides him or maybe Marvin Williams that you've enjoyed getting to know this year? Um, yeah, Frank would definitely be my favorite just because I said earlier his personality um, adds a lot to it. But Kimba, I talk with Kimba a lot. Um, he's always a good interview as well. And just he's always so smiley, and that's what I really like. Mm-hmm. I'm a very smiley person as well, so um, he's a good interview. So neither Nick or I have ever been to Charlotte, believe it or not. I know that's like a connecting airport mainstay for the East Coast. But if and when we do get there, what's the first thing we should do? Go to one of our sporting events, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only going to campaign. We got Panthers. We got the Hornets. I think we need to put a disclaimer here that like the the Hornets are not paying us to do this. (laughs) (laughs) We got all these events, but... Uh, there's a lot to do. I think really the, the the best thing I think about North Carolina is just enjoying the weather. There's a lot to do outside, so um, just sightseeing. And there's some good hikes. They're not anything big, but just a lot of stuff outside. Enjoy the weather. It was only a matter of time before one of our guests responded with, duh. It, yeah, it was, it was right, bound exactly. to happen. I know. We, we asked we, terrible we've questions. Set ourselves That's up one for... of the cheerleading things. In yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. We, I think we've set ourselves up for many more of those responses than we've actually received. Um, wait, so you, 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 I heard you like casually just throw NASCAR in there. Are you a NASCAR fan being from Carolina? Uh, no, I'm not okay. going to lie. Answer. I'm not. <laughs> Correct. But uh, if, they, if they 
decided to bring me on, I would definitely learn and love it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's huge. It's yeah. huge here. And I'm I'm thinking they have the big race coming up in May. And I'm like, I kind of want to check it out because I've never been to a race. And I know that it would be something right down the road for me. So we'll see. All right. Last question. Where's the best place to eat in Charlotte, North Carolina? Fahrenheit. And I say that because it's the best view of the city. It's a rooftop bar slash restaurant and absolutely beautiful view. And like I said, I'm very outdoorsy. I love being outside. We have the big patio and you can enjoy the wonderful weather that we have. So but come in the summer or the spring, that's the best. We've got crazy weather in the winter. It goes from 71 week to 30 the next. So definitely Fahrenheit if you do get the chance to come out. And I encourage you guys, come visit. <laughs> All right, we just might have to do that, Fahrenheit. We're going to make our reservations now. Yeah. Well, Taylor, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you want to check out Taylor on Twitter, you can catch her at underscore T Cunningham. If you want to follow along with her career, you can check out her website, Taylor and Cunningham. And then, of course, Live at the Hive is streaming live on the Hornets website and on Facebook Live. Taylor, did I miss anything there? No, thank you for all the plugs. Yeah, (laughs) thanks so much for joining us. All right, thanks, Taylor. Thank you guys so much. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.